podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Twas the night before Christmas, and all through FPL, the last game it was ending, and some rose and some fell. But that wasn't all in the FPL chatter, because news filtered through of confirmed fixtures that matter. Nick Stagg and I are back just before we give presents, joined by a guest whose record makes us look like peasants. For what has become a bit of a yearly tradition, yes, it's the man who'd send troops on the mission. It's, of course, FPL General, he of great fame. Mark, thanks for joining us on the pod once more again. Good to be here, guys. Thanks. My first question is, how, how many hours today did you spend writing that on? Three, four? No, about five minutes. What an, what an intro. And then you probably had to change it halfway through with those uh, with those new fixture news. Good to be here. I think we were talking just beforehand. I think it's is this three Christmases in a row now where we've managed to to get together for a, for a pre-Christmas pod. So it's it's nice to keep the tradition going. Yeah, certainly, certainly. That's the, the hat-trick of, uh, of General on the pod. Great to have you here, Mark. Cheers. Yeah, looking forward to this. Plenty to talk about. Yeah, welcome to the pod, Mark. It's always a pleasure to be joined by a uh, fancy royalty uh, like yourself, uh, yeah, so um, we are Who Got the Assist, of course, and you can make sure to give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram, where we can be found on wgta.fpl. Make sure to like and subscribe to the pod if you like what you hear, and also join our mini-league, which the code is CPSULF. We're joined, as always, by FPL Stag. Anthony, how are you doing? Nicholas, good to be back again, and hello to Mark. Thanks for joining us tonight, and thanks to everyone else who's listening in at the moment. It's um, there's certainly been an awful lot to talk about in the FPL world between the game week we've just had and all the news that's coming through. So we'll cut straight through it in this pod with talking about Christmas, talking about those blanks and double game weeks, and our strategies therein. We'll also have the correspondence section. It's back this week, guys. I know some of you have been missing it with those um, quick Q and A pods that we've had. It's been a tough time, I know, but correspondence is back. And we will also have listener Q&As as always. However, we are going to start with the game of reviews and market forces. Yeah, let's get to the review. So the Chelsea game has just finished. So we're dealing with provisional bonus, but I don't think that affects many people because Chilwell went off for one pointer, which I think affected three of us on the pod at the very least. Um, who is starting this week? Is it? I think it might be Anthony or Mark. Looks like I've got the worst of all of us with 79 points, which is actually enough to get a pretty big green arrow up to 453k. So Great really... <laughs> Yeah, in, in the rest of the world, it's fine. Just amongst this group, it's just not quite as good. Uh, the main problem really was that I didn't have Mo Salah. So whilst I did captain Bruno Fernandes, thankfully, uh, to really kind of drive my score up, I missed out obviously on the big haul that was in the Liverpool game. Didn't even have any Liverpool players at all, actually. So missed out on absolutely everything that there was to take from that 7-0. So Martinez, clean sheet and goal. He's becoming very reliable again, thankfully. Uh, Cancelo, who I still haven't sold and I continue to get points from. A few more clean sheets are in goal from Dallas, actually, as well. Uh, Chilwell, the one-pointer, is a bit of a disappointment, and that's now something that needs to be fixed. Grealish, 10-pointer. De Bruyne, 5. Son, who came into my team from Mares to the Fernandez captaincy, obviously. Suchek, 2. Calvert-Lewin with another assist, 4 points. And Harry Kane, 2. So, look, it's it's fine. I have no transfers banked, which means, obviously, that feeds into my whole entire strategy that leads into the blank game weeks. But I think, overall, I'm quite happy with the way things are going. Nice one, yeah. So that's me next. Looks like 85. I got a nice slice of luck this week with uh, Jamal Lewis didn't feature, so I got James Justin off the bench for a very unlikely eight-pointer. I've always been greedy. was close to getting an assist for that Madison offside goal as well. So overall, a good week, 85. I think it'll be a green arrow from about 50k to 30k. 
So very, very happy with how the season's going. I've, I've got a wild card to play game week 16 as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Bruno Fernandez, captain, had Salah, Cavett-Lewin, ever-reliable, chipping in with a few points as well, even when he doesn't particularly play well. Martinez finally got rid of Ramsdale a couple of weeks ago already. I think it's back-to-back clean sheets for Martinez since I brought him in. Charlie Taylor, we were close to getting a, a big haul from him, but we'll take the assist all day long. So close. So yeah, I know it was, it was painful, but we can't be greedy when we get an assist from Taylor because he doesn't get many these days. So yeah. overall, yeah, very, very good game week. Sitting pretty at Christmas. I always kind of aim for top 100k at Christmas time. So to be at 30k, I'm, I'm over the moon. Yeah, I think I beat you just by one point there because I got 86 points. Uh, don't really know how I managed that considering I don't own Moan Salah. So it, oh, I, coming I thought, up Paris. <laughs> I thought originally that I was getting away with it um, when he wasn't announced in the starting lineup. But then, of course, he, he came off the bench in 35 minutes, got two goals and an assist. But in that game, luckily, I did have Robertson, who picked up a 10-pointer, so that mitigated it to a certain extent. Also had uh, Fernandez in my team for 17 times two. 34 points as the captain, Calvert-Lewin sort of getting his usual sort of four points or, you know, classic return from Calvert there. Um, 10 point from Grealish, very nice. De Bruyne got another five-pointer. Um, Zuma picked up a clean sheet. Martinez picked up a clean sheet. And uh, Lewis didn't play for me as well, but I had uh, Dallas come off the bench. So he was on minus one at, point, at one point and then scored a really fluky goal to finish with five points off the bench. So, yeah, uh, pretty decent score all in all. Very happy with that. But, uh, yeah, he beat me, Tom, didn't you? Uh, I think only by two points in the end after the hit, though. Classic, classic, Nick, that you've uh, managed to do that <laughs> despite having no salad. Um, yeah, 88 net, I got 92 gross, uh, all the players that you'd expect. Um, but me being me and looking at the dark side of life, what I realised looking at this was that I've done well in spite of myself. So I transferred out Carl Walker, who got eight points, Calvert only got four, and Reed Wald, who didn't care, I didn't care, he'd be on the bench, for uh, Charlie Taylor, five, and Son, two. So I'd have got over 100 easily if I just left it, rather than caving in this week and getting Son and thinking, I've got to cover it, I've got to cover it. Dear me. Uh, that plus uh, Charlie Taylor losing the clean sheet in the 89th minute, that was quite a painful, bloody Benson. And uh, Chilwell off after nine minutes, that was that was really annoying. Um, but you know you can't complain too much after getting 92, so I kept Stum on that one. But it does mean that I've uh, you know, what was a very, very obvious role may well mean uh, a transfer now because of Chilwell's ironically rolled ankle. Uh, but there we go. We're still uh, in the millions. That's really annoying. I think I've, I've kind of 1.014 million. Uh, so if uh, Chilwell had played for a bit longer or Taylor had got that clean sheet, then I'd be out of the millions, but there you go. Right, let's move on to the market force for Nick. And um, I'm guessing they are all about one certain Egyptian king. They certainly are. So, yep, it's all about Mo Salah. Obviously, after that massive haul, he's had 230,000 transfers in, including myself, actually. Um, So, yeah, didn't start the game, but came on 35 minutes, just absolutely smashed it with two goals, one assist. He's now got 13 goals and four assists and looks set if he keeps this pace up to break his record from um, 17-18, where he got 303 points. So that will be incredible if he can achieve that. Certainly looks on fire. And with West Brom at home, you know, you have to own him, don't you? So I've brought him in. But um, otherwise, looks like it's the Manchester City boys that are being the sacrificial lambs here. So Kevin De Bruyne is being sold quite heavily, um, only got an assist against Southampton. Manchester City not looking as good as we've seen them over the past few seasons, you know, lacking a little bit of um, attacking threat. So lots of people obviously selling him, even though he does have Newcastle at home up next, which kind of looks like a bit of a plum home fixture. So a little bit of risk there. Um, and also his teammate Riyad Mahrez um, in a lot 
of people's teams um, has has 88,000 transfers out for 90,000 transfers out for De Bruyne, 88,000 for Mares. Um, he only came on for 18 minutes in the last game and didn't start the one before against West Brom either. So, um, yeah, looks like he's uh, falling victim of the uh, pep rotation, so to speak, but could easily potentially start the next game. We, we don't know. The thing is, I think it's going to be the question, isn't it, over the next few weeks is what to do with those City guys. And we've addressed it quite a lot already. And given when you've got Salah and Fernandez outperforming Bruno, uh, or Salah and Fernandez outperforming Kevin De Bruyne by multiples, uh, it, it does mean that it makes sense to get rid of them. You do kind of fear that that's going to bite them. Even City could have put a, quite a few more past Southampton if uh, it was at all possible, but or if uh, Bernardo Filippa was actually finishing. But look, that didn't quite happen that for them some of the other interesting kind of transfers in as well it's really just a lot of Liverpool uh, interest in general Firmino and Robertson both attracting interest there both amongst the top five most transferred in and Patrick Bamford actually the second most transferred in this week yeah lots of love for Bamford there he's the second most transferred in 100,000 transfers in at this moment in time they do a Burnley and West Brom up next and even though he's he's struggling to convert didn't score in the last game he's getting plenty and plenty of chances so he's eventually going to find the net again isn't he um, and has already had nine goals to his name anyway so he, he is scoring this season and uh, and he's very cheap so can understand why people are looking at him uh, Firmino, um, not not been on the market forces for a long time, that guy, has he? We haven't spoken about him very much as an FPL asset. Uh, still quite expensive for my book, but, you know, three goals and assists in the last couple of games. Maybe he's finally found his shooting boots again. We don't know, but obviously Salah is the preferred option there. Otherwise, um, transfers out, the likes of uh, Rhys James also being sold. He's got a knock. Um, Vardy also being sold. He's also got a knock. And also Jack Greedish being quite heavily sold. 78,000 transfers out for him, even though he did get a 10-pointer there against West Brom, just shows how it's very, very hard to fit all of these players into your team. So many many managers perhaps getting rid of Grealish to, to get in Fernandes and Salah and, and somehow finding an extra 4 million out of nowhere as well. So that's, that's quite interesting to see him being sold. But they do have Crystal Palace up next, but then they've got a, quite a tough run and they don't have a double game week either. So that's perhaps why uh, some people are selling him there. Yeah, and don't have a double game week, probably uh, a reason which is going to continue um, to grow as a reason for why people sell Grealish. And that is the awkwardly constructed segue this week into the main topic, which is blanks, doubles, and what we do about Christmas. Um, So the situation as it stands is this. Simply put, there's a blank game week in game week 18, uh, which features just five fixtures. Uh, Then there's a double game week featuring doubles for 10 teams in game week 19. Those teams that do double are the teams that blank in game week 18. Right, that would have been it. Uh, if it weren't for what happened this evening, which was a bit of a curveball because today the Carabao Cup was rescheduled from game week 26 to 33. I mean, there's another double to come in game week 26 and another potential blank in the same format. So if you get a double in game week 26, you get a blank in game week 29, uh, which has obviously changed planning as it would have been. Um, I guess early signs are, as as I've kind of inferred a couple of times, are that people are reconsidering again what to do. So, for example, if that double game week looks a bit nicer, we don't know when we're going to find out that. I think Ben Quellin was saying around game week 24, we might find out a bit more information. Then maybe you might want to be thinking, oh, maybe I'll hold my bench booster, hold my, my triple captain for later on instead. As it stands, parts are still moving. And I guess we'll be focusing on what's in front of us rather than speculating on the schedule uh, or what the fixtures may be. Um, obviously, this may change after the pod, but unfortunately, channeling my best Rafa Benitez impression, these are the facts and we have to stick with them. Um, so before today's news, I guess, the way I saw it was that you had 
three options. And Mark is a good person to have on the pod today, actually, this week, because he would have been doing the full Krellin, as I call it, but like the full Monty, except less nudity. Um, he would have done a wild card in game week 16, a free hit on game week 18, a bench boost in game week 19, and wild card, the second wild card that is, and triple captain later on in the season. The three of us, obviously, wild card a little bit earlier. So probably something along the lines of free hitting on game week 18, building to a bench boost or a triple captain on game week 19 with our free transfers and the wild carding using the other chip later on in the season would have been what we'd have done. Obviously, there's a few kind of other iterations, ways of doing it. For example, free hitting on the double game week and building your team up to the blank. That's another way of doing it. And of course, there are other people who may have used chips who may be doing something else. Now, I guess um, a good place to start it is quite team specific is where we're all standing on this and Mark probably a good place for you to come in because obviously you're doing really well you've got your wild card intact has the new stay changed anything or are you kind of still sticking to that kind of full Krellin strategy yeah I think for people like myself who still have the first wild card I don't think today's news changes things too much first of all it, it, to be honest it's just a bloody nightmare this season you know there's so many different routes to go you know like you said we're all starting at a different point Different players, different chips, wild cards in the wild cards. So it's really tricky. And I think the you know the main advice is, you know, get Krell on spreadsheet, sit down with your own team, come up with what's right for you because just, there's no one size fits all strategy here. For me, I try to keep FPL as simple as possible. And looking at it with a wild card, you know, I'm going to stick to the initial plan, just wild card 16. You know, I could I could wild card 15, but I like the extra week of information. You know, that's always good. You know, players on four yellow cards, especially stuff like that can change injuries. So I'm happy with my team as well for 15. So I don't really need to, to go early. So 16 wild card, uh, free hit then in 18. So I don't really need to worry about that game week. And then look to bench boost in 19. Now, I know we could have another pretty similar, you know, double game week later in the season. But I like to just play what's in front of me. And when when I look at game week 19, I like to look at that for, for a bench boost. You know, you've got your... You know, West Ham in particular, the likes of Kufal and Suchek, who I don't own, will probably be two of the first names who come in on my on my wild card. So, yeah, for me, today's news doesn't change things. I'm going to stick to the initial plan. I've always got that second wild card for later, closer to, you know, game week 26, game week 29, when we actually have the information. And I mean, who knows what's going to happen, you know, with COVID this season anyway. You know, we could end up, who knows, end of the season, we could end up with a triple game week for someone, the way the way things are going with postponements and stuff. So, yeah, for me, it's a matter of just keeping it simple. Um, I'm happy with my squad this week. Wildcard 16, because it's the last week I can do so. And then I like to look at bench boost for, for 19. Free hit 18, because it's just easy. You just don't need to worry about it. There's probably not many players I would have on my wildcard anyway from game week 18. I'm looking at City. You know, probably only have one of them maximum on wildcard, so I'll just probably get three of them on free hit Spurs as well. I probably won't have both of Son and Kane, but I probably will have both on, on free hit 18. So yeah, that's the way I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm just kind of playing with the information that we already have. Have you told Mrs. General uh, that between Boxing Day and the morning of the 28th, you're going to be <laughs> unavailable <laughs> due to the fact you'll be stuck to a spreadsheet? Because that is one hell of a short turnaround window, isn't it, for a wildcard game at 16? I've only just noticed looking at the schedule. To be honest, yeah, I didn't really realise until maybe two weeks ago how quick the turnaround was going to be. So, do you know what? We got we got the bad news that we couldn't go home for Christmas. We were supposed to go back and we were supposed to travel on Sunday the 27th, which was going to make things even worse for me wildcard-wise because I would have been travelling for maybe eight hours that day. So right. it's kind of, it's a small blessing in disguise. Silver lining, yeah. I can't get to see my family back in Ireland now, but I do have maybe six, seven, eight extra hours to build my wildcard squad. So you know, priorities and all that. At least now I, I'll have no excuses with, with my wild card. So yeah, very quick turnaround. It's going to be probably a Sunday night job. 
Um, I think the deadline's about half past one on Monday, so at least it's not super early in the morning. Hopefully the hangover won't be too bad that Monday. So, yeah, it's, it's a very quick turnaround. So it's, I think for people like myself who are on a wild card, you know, if you're going to wild card in 16, I think we should really be starting to draft it now. You know, have it 80-90% what it's going to look like because you don't want to be rushing it on, on Sunday night and Monday morning. 100 percent i think that's very very uh, very very good advice especially given the the short turnarounds that's just probably imperative to have a very good idea what you're going to do and maybe be ready to confirm as soon as the game reopens uh, after game week uh, 15's deadline has ended um so guys um mark's just kind of he's, he said my key phrase i think play what's in front of me there um what do you guys think of it have either of you kind of got anything special planned or is it just uh, a case of you sticking to your guns still uh nick how, how have the plans gone so far I do have a plan, though it is slightly controversial in terms of what I've already done in terms of my transfer, because on Saturday night, I transferred in Salah and I transferred out Bruno. So <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite crazy. Uh, but um, I don't know. I, I think maybe if I'd seen the Sunday game, I might have done De Bruyne out instead of Bruno. Uh, but obviously, I wanted to catch that price rise at the time for Mo Salah and not miss out but I do have a strategy anyway where Bruno comes back in in two game weeks time so it's not all doom and gloom so as I kind of said on the previous pod I have been playing around with my premium assets swapping them in and out week in week out but I've maintained that supporting cast and that supporting cast has been brilliant for me so the likes of Robertson the likes of Calvert-Lewin the likes of Grealish I've got so much money tied up in these guys about 0.4 million 0.6 million worth of price rises that I I don't really want to sell them I don't want to move them out and um, so I'm just going to flip Salah and uh, Bruno for a little bit and try and play the play the fixtures and whilst it seems completely daft it it has been working I have been getting lots of green arrows week in week out so that, that's what I did um, on Saturday night but my kind of plan is to actually I, I'm less worried about the uh, the double game week like in terms of filling my team completely with double game week players. I'm, I'm kind of looking at both Kane and Son, actually, because this is the thing, like, looking at Spurs fixtures, they've got Fulham at home, they've got Leeds at home, um, so, and they've got Aston Villa away, but that's a free hit where I'm going to be using the free hit anyway in game week 18. And then in game week 19, they've got Sheffield United away. So that's three really, really good fixtures that I'm going to want both Kane and Son for. So Son is going to come in for me, for De Bruyne, and then I'm just going to swap Greedish out for Bruno. And I've got the money to make all of those moves. So that then I've got Bruno for the uh, double game week. I've got Son and Kane. I've got um, several other double game weekers, like the likes of Salah and Robertson. And uh, I think I think it's about eight double game weekers, actually. And then three uh, single game weekers in, I think it's going to be Martinez, um, Son and Kane in total, in, if my plan comes to fruition. So... That's kind of my setup. I'm not going to be bench boosting because I don't see the point without my wild cards to play the likes of Basuma or, you know, I don't even have a substitute goalkeeper. There's, there's no point using my bench boost in 19 because it's going to be a rubbish one. So I will be triple captaining in that week, probably. I haven't decided who the TC goes on, but it'll go on someone. Um, and uh, saving my bench boost for after the second wild card, probably. For that next double game week, I probably use my wild card just before that, and then bench boost straight away with um, a team of sort of fifteen, hopeful, hopefully fifteen double game week players. So that's my strategy: going to free hit in eighteen and uh, triple captain in nineteen. 
Yeah. Wow. More, more bookings than the pre-pandemic travel agent for you there, Nick, in terms of your transfers. Amazing. And uh, Anthony, what are you going to do? Okay. So as you flagged at the start, I don't have my first wildcard either. Um, however, what I do have is already eight players for blank game week 18 in my team, as it turns out. I'm not, I'm not even counting Mitchell in that. So with Martinez, Cancelo, Grealish, De Bruyne, Son, Kane, DCL and Brewster, I feel like I have the foundation there to not require my free hit in that game week. But then looking at the double game week fixtures in double game week 19, I feel like I can get by in terms of making my transfers and saving a few accordingly to get to as many as eight double game weekers, so much so that I feel that I would be able to get through that week just fine. But I would have the likes of Son or Kane or even both of them um, as differentials playing in one game, albeit against uh, Sheffield United, so much so that I probably won't actually use any chip that week either. So I think I may have, I may use no chips and just navigate my way through this accordingly. Why? Okay. I don't have a wild card to set myself up. So if I use a wild card, my second wild card ahead of the big double gaming, which will come later on, it seems to be around double gaming 26 where I could bench boost then. A bit like Nick, I want to save the bench boost for that. Might as well. I don't really believe in the bench boost. I think it's a bit like the Tooth Fairy. It's not much good. But maybe it might come through for me that time. And then there's blank game week 29, which looks like it's going to come. That's traditionally the four to six blanks week with an FA Cup quarterfinal on. I think that's going to be an absolute nightmare for so many people. And I think the value problems that people have are only going to compound over time. And so I think that's going to be a really, really useful one to have my free hit spare for. The triple captain, you might say, where are you going to use that, Stag? Honestly, there's going to be so many, there's going to be other double game weeks coming along that we just don't even know about yet. And so I know you guys are saying, play what's in front of you. I'm playing a game that doesn't, I can't even see right now and just running chess yes yeah yeah just running through christmas with a blindfold on and just hoping for the best that i could come out the other side without taking too much damage i feel like if i captain the right people or Mm. just captain with everybody else in the blanks and doubles that come i'll be probably fine like honestly and i have so many of the supporting cast players that you'd want to talk about mark was saying that he would like to get in the likes of sufal and suchek into his double game week 19 team already got him I've got Dallas as well. Like, this is the thing is that all these guys that people would have been making the transfers to get in, I have. I can jimmy around with my premiums a bit like Nick is to make sure that I've covered off the, the massive problems. And I think I'll be just fine. And I could have a very interesting run in the Easter time where I have chips that no one else has. Yep, no, it certainly makes sense. I think last year as well, I vaguely remember that you took a different path. Um, I had to, yeah. It was a, I was having a nightmare at Christmas, so I went yeah. off on my own way with the wild card. It, it didn't prove good in the end, I will say. Fair enough. Going stag, as they say. Bordley, I'm doing the same as Nick, actually. Unlike Anthony, I've only got like five players um, in the double and not very many in the blank. Um, so I'll be using three transfers to get nine and ten doublers out on the double. And I'm looking to triple captain Mo Salah. I was looking to then uh, use free transfers slowly build to 26, dead end in 29. So dead end is when you mess your team up basically for the benefit of that blank and then wild card out of it in 30. The issue with that is that I may need to make a lot of moves between game week 26 and 29. Um, yeah, a lot of hits basically. If you think that everybody who doubles in 26 doesn't have a fixture in 29, that means I basically have to recycle my entire team. That's not good. Um, so... There are lots of things I could be doing at the moment. It's a pain in the backside either way. That's a very, very mighty fun way of me saying I was really busy at work today, so I haven't really done very much more on this. Um, but I do have a plan to get 10 doublers at least initially with a triple captain on Mo Salah. But I mean to think about it a little bit more. 
I just want to say as well that free transfers and hits are often underrated in terms of plans. Just because everybody else may, you know, uh, have a way of getting somewhere perfectly, it doesn't mean that you, know, you can't take a few hits or take make a few transfers to get somewhere. Um, and I also think as well that on blanks too, like it's always really everyone panics and think, oh my god, you know, I'm, I'm going to have seven or eight players. That normally tends to be all right, you know. Like if you look at past game weeks, you have about. Four or five players who don't do anything, even on the good ones, you'll have that. If you can cover most of the key men, you tend to be all right. And I think this maybe moves us on nicely into planning for the blanks and doubles versus kind of at the expense of the short term. So I think this is something which definitely comes up a lot. Like in the past, I've screwed myself over time out of number through overfocusing on blanks and double players at the expense of the short term. I mean, Mark, is this something that you're mindful of when you're making your transfers and doing your transfer strategy? This is something I need to be very, very careful with over the next few days because, you know, I've, I've, I've been advising people already, don't get blinded by the double game weeks, and, and I'm already doing it myself. You know, I think today was the first time I put together a wildcard draft, just a very quick one for, for game week 16, and straight away there was, I think, 14 double game week players for game week 19 and Sun, so Sun was the only single game week one. Now, it's, it's very easy just to have tunnel vision for game week 19, but I need to remember I need to remember 16 and 17. And I, need, I need to look ahead as well. You know, when I when I finalize my, my wildcard squad, I think what I'll do is I'll sit down and I'll, I'll look at every single individual player. I'll say, would I want this player if he didn't have a double game week? You know, am I happy to own this player for three, four, five game weeks afterwards? Because you can't get rid of all of them. You're going to have to keep the majority and, and maybe slowly move some of them out. So it's... I think it's a trap that we all fall into, no matter how much we try not to. We get overexcited by by double game weeks. They're supposed to be fun. You know, I remember when we used to score 180 and 190 points in them, but it doesn't really happen anymore. Uh, and like Anthony says, it's they're not something to be worried about, really. You don't really need to overplan for them. It's, I think it's it's more important. Remember the bigger picture. You know, it's it's more important to be consistent over 38 game weeks than it is to do well with the three chips where you're. More, more, more often than not, you don't get much points from them. You know, if we score 2,300 or 2,400 points in a season, we probably only get 50 or 60 from our chips if we if we play them well. So, you know, looking at it that way, you know, it's something I do need to be very careful with. And I know I've done it already today. I don't need to go back. There's probably some players in there. They're only there because they've got double game at 19. So I need to take a step back, look at the bigger picture. So there's there's a lot more tinkering to be done. Certainly true. I mean, the, the one thing that really struck me when I was looking at the fixtures earlier on uh, was one team have got the following run between 18 and 22. They've got Bryson at home, Crystal Palace at home, West Brom away, Sheffield Nice at home and Burnley away. That team is Manchester City. And I suspect that because they don't have a double game week, people are going to be probably jettisoning these players from our, from teams, especially if you're free hitting on game week 18. So you'll have your Kevin De Bruyne, you'll have your defender, your Diaz maybe, and have your striker. Game week 19, Crystal Palace, 20 West Brom, 21 Sheffield United, who may well still be bottom by then. You're going to be shorn of City and you maybe would have brought in, you know, uh, your likes of, um, you know, your Leeds players or your West Ham players or your Leicester players. Nothing wrong with them. It's just that there's such a kind of a disparity in quality, perhaps. I know Man City haven't been doing well this season, but that's probably just an example of a potential pitfall people could fall into. Um, Anthony, is there something as well? I see you nodding along, so I'm going to come to you. Is that something that you're definitely mindful of? just mindful of the fact that I just don't think that the fixtures are particularly interesting. Like, there's really only one, what I'll call a gee whiz, got to get those guys in game in bank game week 18. And that's the City match against Brighton. And I think 
realistically, if you've got your De Bruyne, you probably have your City defender, and then you're really going to be playing, uh, going to the casino with the likes of Foden, Torres, Mares to try and get that right for your third City asset uh, for that particular game week. Even people who are on the free hit are going to have a bit of a headache with that particular piece of it. And then when you look at the the double game week, there's there's no team I except for maybe you could say West Ham or Leeds perhaps that have two very good fixtures. I think Liverpool, like I can see why you would want to potentially use the triple captain uh, chip on Mo Salah for Liverpool's fixtures, for example, because United, he could do well against and he has proven to be good against pretty much anyone, obviously. And then they've also got Burnley in there. But at the same time, if you're to look through the whole entire uh, set of the fixtures, I don't think that there's that many that you need to get super excited about. Like Marx talks about those double game weeks where people would score 180 points. That's often because you'd have Liverpool and City both playing against two terrible teams and you could just pile on the numbers. We're just not going to have that. So with that in mind, I just feel like these aren't the special game weeks to get too excited about. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd agree with you there. There's, there's nothing that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb thinking I've got to bring these players in, in for these games. I think obviously yeah, the West Ham assets look pretty interesting that's why i brought su check in a couple of weeks ago and i'm thinking about su fouls another decent option there but otherwise i don't feel like you know my transfers should be dictated by the doubles so to speak i'm, I'm looking at players like son uh, as i said because they've got fulham at home and leeds at home you know he could absolutely haul in those games and then in the double game week they've got sheffield united away he could easily outscore you know the likes of leicester assets that actually have a really tough double game week in Southampton and Chelsea and I know we've, we've kind of made these mistakes in the past like me and Tom were so focused on a blank game week involving West Brom that we ended up tripled up on, on West Brom assets Tom had Rondon I think in his team couldn't get him out for about 10 weeks or something and I think he scored about one goal in that entire period dreadful <laughs> so um, I think that's the concern when you kind of start letting your transfers be dictated by just one single week when you, you get kind of blindsided by other teams and other fixtures and other players that are, are in form. So I think that is one of the pitfalls, so to speak, of, of the double game week. And thanks. Yeah, definitely. But it is still fun, isn't it? It's, it's always fun to have uh, 30 players one week if you've got a bench boost. There's nothing quite beats that. You've got two bites of the cherry with all of your team and you, you're kind of dreaming of 100 plus yet. You end up with a 60, at least if you're me, since there's a GTA. Right, well, I guess uh, at the moment, that's all we can say, I think, on this until we have more information. I think what we should probably turn our sights to a little bit before we uh, come to the break is dealing with rotation over Christmas. So we've just come out of the period with kind of intense games through in a row, and we have seen some rest and rotation in there. And I think it's just worth uh, getting some advice, especially with Mark on the pod, the myth legend um, and see what his thoughts are on uh, you know veterans view i guess of dealing with kind of the christmas period because it is a unique period isn't it i guess project restart is quite high in mind so we've all lived through something like that a little bit more but normally this time of year is, is quite special and you do find a few things with it don't you mark yeah and we've already seen some of it you know bruno unexpectedly benched a couple of weeks ago a couple of games ago which, which i think anyone who's new to fpl this season they're probably going to get a shock over the next week of how much rotation there will be because you know, managers have been complaining more so than ever this season about fatigue and, and too many games. And now they're expected to play what some teams are going to play twice in three days. It's it's just not going to happen. So you've just got to prepare yourself as best you can. I mean, it's probably something you should have been doing a few weeks ago is making sure your, your bench is decent. It doesn't have to be fantastic, but you know, have at least two options there that play every week who can come in 
you know, 4.5 million defenders is what I've been using. You know, they can do a job for you when you need them, like Charlie Taylor did this week. So, yeah, it's, it's a matter of, you know, don't go trying to second guess what managers are going to do either. Um, don't be making transfers, trying to predict what certain managers like Klopp and Pep in particular. Uh, we can probably throw Graham Potter in there now as well. But, yeah, just take it on the chin. Some of your players and some of your big players will be benched over the next week or two. You've just got to take it on the chin. Don't rage transfer them out. You know, look at the positive. If your player gets benched, He's a great option for the following week. Look at Mo Salah. Didn't play too many minutes last week. Makes him the best captain now for the following game week. So, yeah, don't don't panic. If You if you might find some weeks you might get have less than 11 players over the next, you know, over the Christmas period. But don't panic. We're all in the same boat. And just, you know, if if, if you've got fires to fight and the rest, you know, if your starting 11 is looking good and you've got fires to fight, don't ignore them because this is the time where you're going to need those guys. Yep. So it's almost like, don't overmanage, basically, because uh, yeah, rotation's part and parcel, isn't it? I think anybody who does claims of claims of words it all out is uh, probably a bit of a liar. Um, but you are by the same juncture right that with Mo not playing last week, it does in theory make this week look great for for him. And you're hoping that Klopp hasn't taken on Pep's worst uh, habits. So um, I think that that's very very useful advice. And I think my advice is basically try to have fun. If FPL is getting on top of you stop walk away for a little bit that's that's key it's very intense it really is and i worked out the other day that because of all the kind of the array of games that you get the drip feed game by game i think the, the one reason i don't enjoy it as much is because all of these games come one at a time and in a lot of them i'm hoping for something negative to happen rather than something positive like i'm hoping for a clean sheet to go i'm hoping for a player not to score i'm hoping for something else not to happen i'm hoping for a boring 1-1 a game that i've got no interest in but i know other people do and that in itself that should be quite draining and I've, I've come to realize that maybe that is the reason why um i'm struggling a little bit or i have been struggling with kind of keeping up with all the football and watching it as much as i did in game week one two sort of time so definitely take breaks and if you've got family with you spend some time with them you know i know you obviously can't get out and be with everybody we want to be with but definitely try to take breaks from fpl because i think the temptation will be to get consumed by it a bit of things don't go well for you they might not put you in the best mood and um, so i definitely kind of make sure that you consciously say for a bit all right i'm not going to watch this game i'm going to take this evening off do something else uh, watch christmas film get smashed and play some playstation whatever you want to do uh, anthony nick how do you handle this period I think you both made some pretty decent points there just in terms of don't let yourself get all consumed by what's going on on your phone and and, and try and socialize with you, with your family members there's, there's so much going on with the football and it's so fast paced but at the end of the day it's just a game what's important especially considering what's happened this year is your family and uh, enjoying that and, and spending some time with your friends so that would be my recommendation I think in terms of FPL I'd probably just reiterate some of the points made about the importance of a playing bench. Um, so obviously there's going to be players that don't play randomly, just dropped or ill, whatever. You know, we've seen it this week, for instance, the likes of Concer and Reese James, Jamal Lewis, Tarek Lamptey, all not playing, meaning that some people were left with sort of like nine or ten men. So if you are looking at your teams, not sure what to do, you've got like sort of, sort of Tarek Mitchell or someone like that who's, who's not playing, still lurking around. By all means, I think you'd probably want to look to kind of swap them out because there are plenty of decent very cheap defenders that are playing week in week out a few of the 4.5 million guys as, as um, general mentioned charlie taylor but also the likes of walker peters dallas all of those guys very very cheap um you can do some quite easy moves just to extend your playing squad and then you can have a few frills like the likes of dallas coming off the bench and, and getting a return or the likes of uh, james justin 
Yeah, that particular Tyreek Mitchell move is actually something that I have planned into my next few weeks to just make sure that I just have an extra either double game week or a blank game week there just to make my particular no-chip strategy that little bit easier, just having that extra player there of one type or the other. Um, I really can only echo what everyone else has said. It is just a matter of uh, keeping the head when it comes to, especially actually the captaincy decisions over Christmas. Don't think, oh, it's Christmas, so therefore something will happen. It, it doesn't really work like that. Um, don't think, oh, it's Christmas, so it's my lucky day. That that probably won't happen either. It'll probably be just um, <laughs> disappointing if you do that, like every other week, if you just go too far off the boil with your captaincy decisions. So I would say play it a bit safer with captaincy, if anything. Um, certainly don't make any rage transfers if you've had too much whiskey. And just enjoy the football rather than uh, living off the negativities, as Tom says, is, can sometimes happen with FPL managers. Certainly can. The neurotic, competitive bunch that we are. All right. That was a good, long, meaty chat. I think it's time for a break, uh, but we'll be back after this with correspondence and the Q&A. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. And there's actually a few changes um, going on with some really high scores up in the uh, top 10. So I'll do a quick rundown of the top 10. In uh, 10th, it's Finn Solly. He got 92 points. Captain Fernandez, great score for him, up to 948 overall points. Um, in 9th, it's John Vivian, another really good score with 95. Uh, Jerome Hughes with uh, Marshall Mathers got 79 points. A friend of the pod, Alan Cooper, got 95 points. He's climbed all the way up to seventh now. In sixth, we've got Borisov Joksimovic. He's dropped a little bit out of the top five with 67 points. In fifth, it's Charles Hazel with 87 points. James Dayton is in fourth with 93 points. And then the top three. So David Izzett got 76 points with his team. Hest Wham untied. Uh, dropping to second is Graham Sesams with HKN for Golden Boot with 72 points. But we've got a new number one uh, with a triple figure score there. Uh, Wallace Clark with the ace team, 103 points to him. So great score for Wallace there. Uh, Captain Fernandez, but also had the likes of Salo and Grealish. Uh, Callum Wilson, Concello, Justin... Um, Martinez in goals so he's now up to uh over rank 121st so excellent score there Wallace very well done yeah very good indeed uh we'll move on to the correspondence section now the segment which gives you a chance to share your thoughts rants raves poetry tunes questions or pretty much anything else um, to who got the assist at gmail.com and this one's come in from Mark Edworthy who you'll find on twitter at sky podcast and that's all one word and he's written in with a question at the behest of what I will call a model correspondence section advocate and all around nice guy as well Tom Campbell uh, so right, his email goes as such. Yo, WGTA guys, I was recommended by a mutual, very tall friend. Uh, this is Tom Campbell to send you this, this to discuss in your correspondence piece on the podcast. Now, the question is, is being more into fantasy football making people actually more football casuals? The amount of times that I've seen stats being chucked about for whatever reason to either explain or debunk opinions, I begin to wonder if a lot of us are just too reliant on them. He then goes on to note that people are judging performances solely by statistical outcomes rather than intangible qualities that might have affected a game. How people wonder how someone who got a goal and assist isn't man of the match in a particular game. Or people who talk about players who outperform their XG just being lucky, but saying that's a reason to suggest that this player shouldn't be man of the match. So Mark's question boils down to, basically... I think if we're only focusing on things that give FPL points, football has many heroes, many grinders, many awesome players, and many awesome moments that just can't be seen by stats or points. Cheers, Mark. So basically, the question boils down to lads, is being more into fantasy football making people actually more football casuals? 
I think it probably, first of all, great, great email to get. That's a, that's a really interesting one that makes us think about things. I think it probably does in, in many ways. Um, I think, I think I've been part of the FPL Twitter community probably for four or five seasons now. And it's, it's crazy how, how much stats have just taken over. You know, they've just exploded. And every, every second tweet you look at now is stats for certain players, you know, last game week, last four game weeks, all this kind of stuff. So it's really become a huge part of FPL. And I've, I'm kind of the opposite then. I've always been someone who watches loads of games. So I'll watch, I haven't been watching 10 games a weekend. I don't think that's healthy for anyone to do, but, you know, a good five, six a week at least. And if I miss a team one weekend, I'll try catching the next weekend then. So for me, I actually, even though I work full-time in FPL, I find myself I don't spend very much time at all looking at numbers. You know, I'll always look at the most recent game week, um, maybe from time to time, more so maybe during an international break is when, when I've got a bit more time. I'll look back maybe the last four game weeks or the last eight, eight game weeks. But for me, it's always been, been eye test number one. But I completely understand the question where it's coming from. We, we've even recently had a few high-profile people on Twitter, um, journalists, saying how much they hate FPL because it's, you know, slipping into the mainstream and, and it's not, you know, coming at it from a different perspective. You know, it's really based on your own players and your own experiences. And I can, I can understand why it does annoy some people. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, I think it's definitely is changing, and, you know, how, how, we, how we watch games. And a good example, I think, is us FPL managers is we don't appreciate players like Hoiberg, you know, and Golo Kante because we never, ever have them in our team. So when, when I sit down, I'm sure you're all the same, when you're sitting watching a game, a Premier League game, you don't really look at Kante or, or Heuberg. You're, you're looking at the players you have or you're looking at the players that a lot of people have that you don't have. Um, so it definitely, for me anyway, it definitely changes how I watch a game. And I always find it quite refreshing to sit down and watch a Champions League game because I don't play Champions League fantasy. So I actually, it reminds me of being young again and just watching pure, you know, a pure watch for what, what it is. And I'm... I, I watch it in a very different way because my, my fantasy glasses are off then. So, yeah, very interesting correspondence this week. Yeah, uh, it definitely changes the way you watch football, doesn't it? As I said with, uh, at the end of the last session with uh, watching lots of games, you definitely watch it through a different spin entirely. It's very rare you get that pure watch football game because everyone everything you can think of oh i know nick's got that guy oh i know anthony's got that guy i know blah blah's got that guy and um, so it's one of those things that definitely kind of permeates your consciousness when you're watching a game um, you're just there wishing our players badly with like a voodoo literally doll. literally i've got a voodoo, yeah I'm, I'm stabbing them in the face no i would i would never wish injury maybe a broken nail or something a hair out of place which means i've got to go off i don't know um but i guess as a serious answer to this question i love stats i love data-driven insights but a balance needs to be struck. Uh, you can't wait for years for things to revert to a mean. Um, I see use of that phrase all the time. And at work, when I look at things like yearly tracker data, which has got hundreds of thousands of data entries, then you can kind of say, okay, it was a bit weird for a little while. Now it's going to come back because we've got so much evidence. Um, I don't think that quite applies when we look at something as transient as a fantasy football season. I'm not interested in, in having a debate now about whether form exists, but I think we have to always remember, and I think Mark was getting into this as well, that stats are part of and not the full picture. And another thing as well, framing is uh, such a pain in the ass. It, it annoys me so much. Like one of my big bugbears is when I see things like, this guy's amazing. He's got three goals and two assists in the last six games. And what that actually means is that Five games ago, he got a hat-trick against 10 men. And over the last couple of games, he's got assists by shinning it to somebody or he's had taken a shot, it's been saved, and someone else has scored. Uh, extreme views, I think, are basically the main issue, right? I test 
can be a little bit subjective. So two people can watch the same game and come away with a completely different point of view. Analytics can be too objective. A good example of this is Bruno Fernandes, sorry, um, but he's been shunned by quite a few in the analytics core who said they couldn't continue this, etc. He's always going to revert to the mean. He's been lucky. He's been lucky. Well, frankly, I mean, he's got 219 points in 27 game weeks. That's eight points per game. Uh, that's 0.5 more than Mo Salah, who's scored 202 over that same period, and uh, a lot more uh, than Kevin De Bruyne, who's scored 157 uh, over that period. Um, we can talk about underlying data till the cows come home, but at the end of the day, we're not playing fantasy underlying data. Um, we use what data we've got to predict the future. Future. There's an element of randomness, an element of luck, and that element of unpredictability is what makes football so interesting and what makes FPL so interesting too. I mean, we often say, uh, yeah, it was outcome, you know, I did do the right thing, and that's great. It makes us feel better, but I guess overall, FPL was about the outcome to some extent. That's why you get people like Mark who are so good and you've got an amazing record behind you and people like me who are not because the outcomes have not gone my way. Um, but that is a huge part of FPL and we can't deny that. And I think as I, as, I, as I said at the top, it's always about that integration between stats and the eye test and taking the extreme view and just back in one. Um, I would never advocate. So I just, I just feel like you miss so much uh, through not giving as much consideration to one of them as you do to another. Uh, Nick, what do you reckon here? Yeah, I think you, you both made some very valid points there. I think, yeah, it was, it was Michael Cox, wasn't it? I think uh, Zonal Marking that called out to the FPL crowd for, for ruining football. And whilst, uh, you know, as FPL <laughs> players, we were all shocked and offended at the time. I guess it's like there are some valid points in regards to like characters like John Lundstrom that were we all treated like he was some sort of like footballing god, didn't we, last season? Reality was that... He um, had a few goals and was um, priced incorrectly on the game. But um, ultimately, uh, you know, reality is that he's um, a very average footballer in terms of Premier League standards. But, you know, we've got these other characters to just never come into play in FPL, do we? You know, you mentioned Kanten Hoiberg, but also the likes of Fernandino, Fabino, for Liverpool, Manchester City being absolute critical players for them in the last uh, few Premier League seasons. But in terms of FPL, they are completely irrelevant. So it's not something that as, as analysts we, we consider and we look at, you know, the impact that those players have on the game when they are such critical elements for their for their teams. And I think you, you also have some of these, it sometimes happens actually with the forwards as well so for instance we were very critical of Harry Kane last season but ultimately what he was doing on the pitch was brilliant for Spurs you know in terms of the defensive role he was playing and like the quarterback role getting so many clearances that sort of thing you know being the the leader on the pitch very important and with uh, Firmino what he does some of his positioning off the ball is so important for the likes of Mo Salah and Sadio Mane to make those runs by distracting the defenders and we actually saw that as well with um, Olivier Giroud when France won the World Cup didn't score a single goal I think during the entire World Cup but he was played every single game just because of the importance of what he what he brought to that team for uh, Didier Deschamps. You have it conversely as well, I guess, with the likes of Kurt Zuma, top scorer right now for defenders. No one's saying that he's the best defender out there in the Premier League, but FPL terms, I'm, I'm loving Zuma because he's scoring me goals, he's getting me clean sheets, he's, he's brilliant as far as I'm concerned, but that's through my own FPL lens, not necessarily the football lens. And we're, all we're focused on, I guess, as an FPL pod is we talk about FPL, but doesn't necessarily mean that we're saying these guys are amazing footballers all the time. So, yeah, I think you've, you guys have all pretty much nailed it. And I, that it is, to an extent, fantasy football is making us all more football casuals. Whether we like it or not, we do look at things through a certain lens and that tends to be very, very outcome dependent. And it does mean that the likes of... Ingola Kante are left behind. I actually 
caught myself with this earlier in the season. It was after game week one, and I happened to have watched the whole Spurs versus Everton game. And one of my friends, just who doesn't like FPL for this specific reason, actually, because of the way it makes him view games, he doesn't play it. He asked me, what was Alan like for Everton? And he'd watched quite a bit of Serie A. And I kind of went, oh, Jesus. Uh, and I, I couldn't actually come up with like a really like decent answer for him, except for like he got on the ball a lot and he was pretty good. I didn't have any more <laughs> anything more incisive because the minute Alan was on the ball, I was looking to see where it was. I had Richarlison in that game, I think. I wanted to see where he was going and what he was doing. I wanted to look at how the Calvert-Lewin thing was going to work out because this was game week one and just wasn't looking at it properly. And so, yeah. I was being a complete football casual by just watching who was going to get the goals at the end of the day. And that's not necessarily a good thing. And I do think that that's why the eye test is important from an FPL perspective as well, because you do contextualize the data, which ties into what Tom was saying, that the data is only part of it. It is actually football primarily that decides fantasy football. Anywho, thanks so much, Mark, for sending in that particular question. I think it was a really interesting one and kind of brought us into kind of the more meta questions about what it is we're actually doing every single week. So thanks so much for that. If you want to get a question in for the correspondence section in the future, it's whogottheassist at gmail.com and we will be happy to answer it. Also, if you want to send in anything else, songs, poetry, whatever, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll uh, even play it. So if you do want to record yourself uh, singing like a choir boy or indeed choir girl or choir person, um, do send that in and we will get it on the podcast. Right, let's go on, go on to the Q&A this week. A little bit shorter because we've obviously spoken a great deal about other things. Uh, the first thing, again, is Cade bye-bye. Um, so FPLOG uh, comes up with the kind of the question that we've been hearing for quite a while. Has the time come to dispense with Kevin De Bruyne's services? Um, especially after game week 16, um, because he plays Newcastle next, obviously. Um, so, as I've mentioned earlier, those fixtures do look okay uh, when it comes to double game weeks, um, the double game week period. There's obviously those kind of 16, 17, Everton away and Chelsea away. People may be thinking, mm, you know, that, that could be a valid excuse to get rid. And I'm amongst those people because I look at that and I also look at the fact that Spurs have got Fulham and Leeds in that period and kind of think, well, I can effectively do Kevin De Bruyne to Kane. So that could be something I'd be looking at doing. Uh, but Mark, I mean, we, Nick, uh, Anthony and I have spoken about this question to the cows come home. I want to hear your view. Is De Bruyne figuring at all in your thinking ahead of the uh, your wildcard being deployed? Yeah, so I've I've had him for quite a while now, and obviously it's been pretty frustrating. You know, I captained him quite a few times for those blanks as well. So I think it will be one of my biggest decisions to make Sunday night, Monday morning. Do I keep him or do I let him go? Because letting him go, it opens up so many doors. I mean, I put that first wildcard draft together today and he wasn't in it. And that was why I was able to put together such a such a nice looking squad for, for Double Game Week 19. My gut feeling is he probably won't survive. I think I'll probably let him go. It's not really that I want to let him go. I think what this comes down to this season is just how many alternatives there are that are performing very well. Salah, Bruno, Kane, Son, Vardy, and there's more. So at the moment, all of those guys are performing better than KDB. So I think that is where you make the case for letting them go. And City are not banging in goals, you know, expected goals and stuff like that's not great either. So I think it's fine to let them go, especially for, you know, would I would I like to have KDB at home to Palace in double game week 19? Or would I rather have anyone else really who has two games, you know, a midfielder or a forward? And at the moment, it's I think it's... The, the, the curse of the double gaming is probably going to win out here and I'm probably going to let him go. And I know there's a very good chance he'll punish me and I'll go back with my tail between my legs. But at the moment, all the signs are, I think, that 
it's fine to let him go because we can't really trust him with captaincy. That's another big thing. You know, these other guys who I already mentioned, they're a lot more reliable when it comes to the armband. So yeah, hate a bye-bye probably is going to happen for me over Christmas. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely something that I've been really thinking about after this Newcastle games. I mentioned those Spurs games are just so enticing that even if I decide to captain Salah or something, oh, like not having the Kane Son double up is it it could be suicide given how fruitful those games look. And think of De Bruyne as well. Like you said about the captaincy there. The other thing is the ownership. So last year, Salah De Bruyne have been suicidal in terms of the the ownership and what you'd be exposing yourself to. Last year, you've been exposing yourself to a player who was over 50% owned, who was part of a team who were banging them in for fun. This year, you've got a team who look, frankly, constipated, and you've only got 25% ownership. So selling him, it's going to be a bit annoying, and you are going to be watching City games from behind the sofa. But in FPL terms, in terms of the game, and maybe this kind of harks back a little bit to Mark Edwards' questions about, about fancy football and football, you're going to be scared of losing the best footballer in the Premier League arguably, but he's not the best FBL asset. So I'm less scared about selling him than I perhaps would be. Um, that said, the fixtures are great and um, I may well be building a narrative to sell him, as I said last week. So um, there's always that. But uh, it's, it's very hard to turn down owning Kane and Son uh, for, those, for that kind of double up. Uh, Nick, I know you're also thinking the same thing, aren't you, in terms of owning Kane and Son. Is De Bruyne um, the full guy there? Yeah, I think he's going to be the full guy to get uh, Son in. So, yeah, as you said, the ownership's a lot lower. Son's ownership's 61.9% compared to De Bruyne's 25.4%. So not owning Son is a lot more of a scarier prospect, especially for Fulham at home and, and Leeds at home. I'm less concerned about De Bruyne for those games, Everton and Chelsea, even though they do have a great run of fixtures after that. He can possibly come in at some point again as you said last year he was so heavily owned but he was a lot cheaper as well he was 9.5 at the beginning of last season right now he's 11.8 so downgrading him to son frees up an extra 2 million as well which you can use and you can you know expand on your wildcard drafts that sort of thing so I, I certainly don't see him as critical to, to people's plans right now and yeah um, as, as we said he's not really standing out as a captain option either you know you compare him to Fernandez and Salah and it's obvious that week in week out you're going to captain either Fernandez or Salah this season and you know De Bruyne's not even scored a goal in open play this season he's he's kind of a little bit behind in terms of those underlying stats um so it's, the main guys are Bruno and uh, Salah I think in midfield and, and De Bruyne probably can be the full guy for those Spurs assets so this one is really really driving me mad because I do have De Bruyne in my side right now I also have Bruno I also have Son so the the issue there obviously is that I don't have Mo Salah and they have uh, Liverpool have particularly good fixtures as do Man City and the thing that's annoying me is that like okay there's one or two fixtures that I might not want to have De Bruyne for but there's plenty that I'd like to have him for if he was on song and whilst performances the the points don't necessarily tell you that he's on song I feel that City are actually turning a corner for example if you look at the underlying stats of the Southampton game it doesn't actually reflect how good the chances could have been if they didn't overrun some chances if they didn't overplay some chances and it was De Bruyne who was feeding quite a few of those initially would have had assists I feel like okay yes he hasn't got open play goals but he's been damn close quite a few times and that's only just a a few millimetres in the difference between things going right. And I know you could always say that if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. And you could continue to keep talking about the fact that I'm just living in conditionality land. But at the same time, 
there's seriously good potential there. And so to sell him feels like it's probably going to be the biggest decision that I'm going to make over this Christmas period, given that I won't be getting involved in the uh, Chipsville that everyone else is going to be in. And I really don't know what to do. I'd really like to hold on to him. And I don't really look to the fact that he has a lower ownership this year as a positive, because I feel like that's one of the reasons why I actually want to keep him. That those are my points. Those are my special points and no one else is getting them. And it's hilarious that those could be special points for me. And I really want to make sure that I can get those if they come. And I feel like they will come. So with that in mind, I I, I don't know. Is it KJ Bye-bye? I don't want it to be, is the truth. I don't want it to be. And I think he may have his day of execution in my side this week, purely because Chilwell getting injured means that that's a bigger fire for me to put out. And do I think that Salah will outperform De Bruyne by more than four points? He could. He did this week. But at the same time, it's not necessarily making taking a hit to get rid of De Bruyne. Come on, really? When he has a game like he has this weekend against Newcastle, it doesn't feel like the way to do it. You have absolute balls of steel, frankly. Um, not buying in Salah ahead of... West Brom at home when everybody Wait, it could, honestly it could be Bruno be it, could, it could be it could be bloody Bruno that goes I could end up doing what Nick's <laughs> done as well like because it, it's just like the only that way is, uh, but I'm I'm then burning up transfers that I need to use for the double game even even, game even Nick has uh, genuflected to buying in Salah that's uh that if you do do that wow that, that would it's definitely all part be of the plan but <laughs> <laughs> platinum ball supreme there um right okay uh let's move on to the next question then on that revelation uh triple success now simply put tam may asks how many points uh, do we target for a triple captain to be successful. Um, so this is quite an interesting one because obviously there's a, a lot of people who would have in the past couple of years, and I'm very sorry for reopening old wounds here, uh, would have captained... Uh, <laughs> Mark's got his head in his hands. <laughs> who would have captained uh, Leroy Sane and would have captained uh, Sadio Mane in the last couple of years. And so this year we're hoping for something better. Um, that aside, what kind of target do we have in mind when we're looking at triple captains? Nick... Triple captain-wise, how have you done in the past and what are you looking for from a triple captain? So last year it was Sadio Mane and uh, yeah, he got one point. So Sorry, bro. Three times one and that was a pretty, pretty terrible, all things considered. So I think, uh, honestly, I think I'd probably just be happy with 10. Like if I get 10 points from my triple captain i'll take that it'll be in a double game week but that's, that's, that's basically probably just just one goal ultimately isn't it and then appearance points on top of that but the, the experiences i've had in the last couple of years you know Mane last year i can't even remember who it was before like just the Mane experience just swipes my memory of previous experiences but i think i did captain kane for a four times three as well maybe the year before that so yeah, I, I'm I'm just happy with ten times times three, and anything below, I guess, will be a bit disappointing. Anything above, brilliant. But I think ten is kind of the threshold for me if I was to give a, a points number. Yeah, I think I'll echo what Nick says. I'd be looking minimum ten. I think, especially if it's a, if you're playing it in a double game week, which most people will. Thanks for bringing up those uh, opening those wounds again, Tom, from last season. So, like Nick. All we need to get this season is more than one point, you know. So if we can, we can just get two points tripled, get a six pointer. I call, I'm going to call that a success this season after Sadio Mane. I did pretty well. I've done pretty well with triple captain two over the seasons up until last season. Minimum ten, but I would probably want 15, 45 points. I would call that a success. But if you hand to be ten now, I would snap your hand off. 
yeah, that this chip has delivered me nothing but disappointment, I think, as long as it's been introduced into the game. I think I've triple captained Dimitri Paye. That didn't work. Um, I didn't go for Shane Duffy the year that many people did, but I knew I might as well have because I think whoever I captained did even worse than he did in that double game week. Uh, Negredo was another one that went uh, horribly wrong in a double game week for Middlesbrough. So basically, to be honest, if I got even a goal out of it, I think I'd take it at this point, um, given my previous record. But at the same time, I think... Looking at it as a, a black and white thing on paper, I think 12 points is about as much as you'd hope for. That's You're effectively calling that you know, two returns, a few bonus points and appearances, and that would be that would be just fine. Decent. I, got, um, I think it's 48 from Mo Salah last year, and that was my best ever triple captain. Um, I think before that, it was uh, Dimitri Pyatt, actually. I think he got two late assists for West Ham that year when there was a famous uh, Andy Carroll triple captaincy thing going around Twitter. Um, uh, and that that was probably uh, my second best. I think in the intervening years, I've done stuff like captaining Aguero when he went off after 40 minutes after getting golden assists. So I've been all right. I've never quite gotten there, but I've, I've done all right with triple captain over the years. Um, I think the key for me is captaining a player that you trust to be a triple captain. Um, I think that we often fall into that sort of uh, trap of thinking, oh, those fixtures look good and going for a player. And I know obviously last year with Sane, you can't say that because he was playing every game and then Pep decided to pep you all basically. So you got, sorry, two years ago. So you all got very unlucky there. Um, I think this year, the reason, part of the reason why I'm so set on Salah at the moment being the triple captain in the game week 19 is because it's Salah. He's got two home games. And if you have one player that you trust to get returns, I can't see past having Salah as your triple captain, basically. And I think for years, we waited for a Salah double double game week to come, didn't we? Last year, I think it was the first year in three years that Salah actually had a double game week. Because I remember they kept getting knocked out of the FA Cup. So I kept meaning they get they got blanks and doubles rather than having double themselves. Um, so anytime I think um, I see a player like Mo Salah having a double game week, I will be triple captaining him. In terms of a target, it's got to be double figures, hasn't it? Ten. That'll probably, that'll probably do me. I agree with you, Mark, that completely. I, I'd snap hand off for 30 points from my triple captain and just kind of getting out of the way, being happy with it. I'm done with it. That's all good. Um, if I, if you know anything below that, you kind of feel like you're, you've been a little bit hard done by, don't you? I think on, on a normal game week, if, you, if your captain got 18 points, you'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, but if you've got 27, oh, you'd be a little bit miffed. So yeah, 30. 30 is the, uh, the threshold for me. Next question actually follows a similar sort of rhetoric. So, Kind of bench fodder for for a bench boost. Um, Eric Clump, which asks which bench fodder would be targeting for a bench boost. And I think it's kind of a bit of a split question actually, because it's kind of more about what we're looking for. I think we've given a lot of answers about double game week nineteen so far, you know, like sort of shoe file, um, the likes of uh, you know Charlie Taylor would all fit into kind of bench boost territory because they're players that can do a job for you as Mark said earlier off the bench or in your first team whenever you want, and in that double game week they can come off and you'll be happy with them. Um, but What's the nature of the sort of player we're looking for? I guess it's that sort of 90-minute man, isn't it? Or, you know, say it's a week before the double game week. Do you ever take any punts with these sorts of players? I mean, is, is a Mara sort of character on our horizons when it comes to the week before a double game week? Mark, what do you reckon here? Yeah, so when it comes to bench boost, again, it's probably the chip I've done the worst with over the seasons. In theory, especially if you play it in a double game week, you're hoping your two cheap defenders, let's say two 4.5 defenders, a Suchek type and a 4.5 roughly priced goalkeeper. If they all just turn up in both games, 16 points. But it's very, very rare that I've got to that 16 points 
you know, I, I remember getting seven, eight, nine points from a bench boost. Absolutely awful. Because you're, you've got 15 players in action, it can all go horribly wrong and you can end up with 13 or 14. So then your bench boost is really quite ineffective. So in terms of the types I'd be looking at, like I mentioned, I'd probably look to have two goalkeepers around 4.5 million on my wildcard. So one of those will make up the bench boost along with Charlie Taylor will probably survive. Um, fixtures are not fantastic, but again, hopefully minimum four points. Uh, if you can chip in with another one of those assists, would be pretty nice. I think you an important point you meant, mentioned there, the 90-minute man. So when it comes to a bench boost, potentially centre-backs over full-backs is something to think about. But I think this season with Game Week 19, it's coming in a period where the games are not going to be that close together. So rotation shouldn't be, I think, as big an issue as it might have been around previous double game week. So I'm probably not going to worry about that too much. So I'm probably just looking at around two defenders, around 4.5, maybe a Charlie Taylor, a Stuart Dallas, a Kufal, like I mentioned, and then then a Suchek type. That's my bench boost. It should, in theory, get you 16 minimum, but watch it get less than 10. Yeah, I think certainly looking around that sort of bargain basement is where I'd be targeting for a bench boost, looking around the sort of the 4.5 million goalkeepers, as you highlighted. And also, you know, these characters like Suchek is sort of the perfect example of someone who just acts as a brilliant enabler for the for the double game weeks. Yeah, so typically I've, I've actually targeted centre-backs before and I've had quite a lot of um, good experiences with my centre-backs, like Ben Gibson, uh, captaining him in a, in a double game week for Middlesbrough, paid dividends and the likes of Laporte as well did really well for me a couple of seasons ago so that's kind of who I look to target as well those men that you can trust are going to play both games potentially 90 minutes pick up some nice clean sheets um, so someone like Ogbonna for instance might be a, a, a real differential shout for this uh, double game week because he's probably going to play he's um, also scoring a few headed chances as well this season so could be a, a real differential there yeah, I pretty much echo, echo what the lads are saying. What I would be seeking to do is just avoid having a player that uh, will be benched in one game and plays in the other. So I think your likes of your Riyad Myers and your Phil Foden's, unless there happens to be some sort of situation which gives them an unusual amount of security in their place, I wouldn't necessarily be looking for those. Nick has definitely had quite a lot of success with centre-backs and I would say goalkeepers as well actually fall into that that I wouldn't ignore them as a possibility for double game weeks only now if they have the right fixtures like for example I did build a free hit just in case team for uh, 19 just in case I thought that that was the way I wanted to go and I thought Fabianski was definitely going to be the goalkeeper I would be getting into my side and it would probably have been Sam Johnston beside him just with you know two players with particularly decent fixtures there and kind of wouldn't be taking up slots from Mm -hmm. other guys further forward that I might have wanted um, in other teams. Yep. Just remember, I think 16 points of the bench is great. Four from each player. And beyond that, that's absolutely incredible. If you can get kind of you know, 20 plus points from your bench boost, um, which is basically above appearance for at least one of your players. I know that sounds like a really low target, but the thing is, double game, which tends to be such a show, um, you always see players getting rotated. You see kind of all sorts of things going on because by the second game, you've got no control over what happens uh, because there could be you know an injury in the first game. There could be you know something else that crops up, and you could see that your player gets rotated or dropped. So at least having that kind of that, that kind of baseline coming off your bench of sixteen plus anything else you can get on top of that being a bonus is, is definitely worth bearing in mind. And the final thing this week. Um, kind of in terms of small margins is itk ridiculousness uh, so paddy um 
who secretly um, admits that he loves me, apparently, um, not very long ago. Um, I'm not sure how to feel about that. Fellow Donegal <laughs> man, uh, for, for Mark, uh, he says, how do we deal with ITKs over Christmas? And he sent an image of, um, not of anything disgusting, it's an image of, uh, of uh, Stewie uh, crying um, in his cot. And he says that he sold Salah for Son after stories emerged of the Salah rest. He's, he's like Nick, reversed that already, but wants to know how we even begin to get our head around ITKs during Christmas, especially if you start hearing news kind of early Boxing Day morning, this player, that player, another player is, is going to leave. How much consideration do we give these guys? Uh, Anthony, what do you think? See, the interesting thing with the Salah bit is that that did not prove to be misinformation. Like he was indeed benched. He just happened to come off the bench and score an absolute ton of points. And Salah does have um, precedence with that, with the Stoke Hall off the bench a few seasons ago that I think we all remember. But working off that in the no knowledge that we received, I don't think was necessarily a poor decision. It's an awful lot of money to have on your bench if you didn't have value tied up in it. It just didn't work out. So how do we deal with in the no ridiculousness over Christmas? You shouldn't put too much stock in any single player problem that you have because you're probably going to have other player problems within your squad. And so unless it is something really drastic, like you get news of an injury that's going to keep a player out of three games and there's a, a certain level of veracity to what you've received, like obviously it might not be reported all over the place yet, but if you feel it's something that can be trusted, maybe act on that. But otherwise, like it is just a time of uncertainty, full stop. And as Mark was kind of getting at earlier, you just need to accept that some of your big players are going to be benched and just live with it. Yeah, I think Saturday morning was a good example. Um, you know, the, those that, those salary rumors came in pretty strong. You know, some of the strongest rumors we've had this season with with the new deadline being an hour and a half before, and a lot of people moved them on. You know, maybe as a one week punt. You know, go to Sun for one week, go back to Salah, and I mean. In hindsight, yes, disastrous. But at the time, it crossed my mind. You know, it crossed my mind. I I knew I wanted Salah, though, captain for, for West Brom anyway. So it was, do I want to use two transfers on this or would I rather bank a transfer? What I did was I had I had Bruno captain and I had Salah vice captain. And what I did was I just moved the vice captaincy to De Bruyne. So that was just, it was a case of don't act, but maybe don't captain because there's enough doubt there. And I think it was a case for people who didn't have Salah as well was that would have been probably enough for me not to buy him last week if you were planning to buy him. And obviously you got punished for that as well. It's a very good example of us hardcore managers. You can very often have too much information and it comes back to come back, back to bite you so often. You know, the casuals didn't even know about Salah. They, the rumours, they just log in Saturday evening and see all those points. And it's really frustrating for us who spend a lot of time you know, doing our research. You're trying to find an edge but very often you just shoot yourself in the foot. I remember Firmino, I think it might have been last season or the season before, it came through as well that he was on the bench. A lot of people sold him and he came off the bench and did really well. And then you need to think, right, I need to go back and get the player now. You're two transfers down that you could have used elsewhere. So I think the the, the advice is, you know, we know the accounts we can trust. Anything else, unless it's really strong, like the Salah one was really strong. It was coming from a lot of different places. It looked pretty legit. And I think anyone who sold him, you can't beat yourself up about it because you had enough information there, I think, to justify selling them if it was for just one week. One week, So just a really bad luck that he came on and did really well. So, yeah, just just be careful with your sources. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it was looking pretty good up until that 55th minute when he came on and then just absolutely punished um, us non-owners, even though I was always going to be a non-owner this week. I think, yeah, as you said, it can give us an edge sometimes, this sort of ITK data, but you do have to take it very often with a pinch of salt. You know, there's plenty of unreliable accounts as well as reliable accounts that just don't start trusting any rumour that's peddled on the internet because a lot of the time it's people trolling as well and also with players like Salah you know very often even if they're not starting as we saw they can absolutely smash it from the bench as well so you've always taken that risk even if he's not starting he can certainly come off the bench and, and get a massive haul. Absolutely I think um, ITKs you're always going to see them you've seen them everywhere as Mark said there are accounts that you do trust and accounts that you shouldn't trust a lot of people would have realized that if you start to say anything on twitter regarding certain key men um, and then maybe the same across on other socials that they will gain some traction and people get some attention and that's all they want and um, they give them the oxygen and certainly unless it gets corroborated by three four different sources just don't think about it i mean i've seen quite a few times even even this week um one player was being rested one player wasn't showing up and as soon as the team sheet came out it was utter rubbish i think it was on um so don't just just don't fall into the trap too much and as mark said often you find that doing nothing is even more powerful because you'll find the fpl community do think oh this is ironclad information and yeah at the end people you what you do trust you know who they are i'm not gonna give them voice here right let's move on to the transfers and captains at the end of this uh, christmas podcast uh as the guest mark uh you first it's your final week isn't it without a wild card so time for pontius maximus what are you gonna be doing it's really frustrating i've got two free transfers and i want to do something really exciting but i'm very happy with my squad you know i've got Bruno salas on um, who else have I got in midfield? And I've got Bamford, Calvert Lewin, and someone else. I've just I've got it in front of me here. Yeah, so Calvert Lewin, Bamford, Watkins up front, De Bruyne, Salah, Fernandez, Son in midfield. So my seven attackers, can I justify selling any of those? Watkins, possibly, but the others, not really. So as much as I would love to get a one week punt on someone who I will never, ever own again and try and spike a 15 pointer. I think it's going to be pretty boring, which suits my style of management anyway. I don't love my defensive picks this week, and Chilwell now could be an issue. So I think the Chilwell uh, injury could be a blessing for me because it opens the door. Maybe just get the ass, keep it simple, get the ass from City this week against Newcastle, try and get that clean sheet. Um, maybe go early on Kufal as well, who is going to come in on my wildcard anyway. You know, might save myself 0.1 on the wildcard by getting them this week rather than, uh, you know, on Sunday or Monday. So probably Chilwell, if he's reeled out, Chilwell to Diaz and possibly Jamal Lewis out to Kufal because the the Chilwell sale would free up the cash that I would need to upgrade Lewis. So, yeah, I just don't... I think I'll give Watkins one more game. He's been very frustrating, but he's got a good fixture. Um so yeah, it's going to be pretty boring for me, I think, as, as much as I would like it to be more exciting uh, for, for, for Boxing Day. I'll jump on next year with my transfers. I'm probably going to be getting rid of Chilwell, just news dependent, obviously, but uh, I'm probably going to bring in Eric Dyer to replace him. Just I want to have that extra Spurs, uh, a Spurs defender for the next few weeks whilst their fixtures are quite good. And obviously it's just an extra player there for the blank as well, which is quite useful. Um, because I only have one defender and that's Cancelo as it stands for the blank and that's obviously uh, an icy uh, situation there all the time with him Uh, so yeah it's a pretty boring one and I'm just kind of using my single transfers along the way if I really really got a rush of blood to the head I think what you'd see is Bruno go to Salah but 
<laughs> oof is the only word I'd have to describe actually doing it. I'm, I'm not sure if I have the the nerve to go for it. Yeah, that's just the outrageous move that I made on on Saturday. I just just went for it. Did Bruno to Salah, even though obviously he then absolutely hauled on Sunday. And now I'm looking at my team thinking, why the hell did I get rid of Bruno when he he looks so good? But he was playing Leeds in in context, and he's got Leicester up next here. So it's pretty assured defensively. And I wanted De Bruyne for Newcastle, so that's my justification in terms of that move. Plus, um, Bruno's going to come in in a couple of weeks' time, so that'll be my only move. I'm not going to take a hit, um, trying to avoid hits as much as possible, and I've got no injuries or other sort of crises to sort out within my team. And yes, yeah, Salah will get the armband, of course. Yep, and uh, for me, Salah will get the armband. Two, and I'm waiting for news, obviously, on Chilwell. He's, I think that there's a press conference or at least a post-game press conference from Lampard. So he'll be a doubt for Arsenal. And I, I'm just not convinced that if you rolled your ankle, I haven't rolled my ankle quite a few times, and um, that he'll be fit for, to play another game 40 hours later. I mean, that'd be great if he can. But I'm in a position where I've got no bench. I've got Max Kilman, who was rubbish uh, tonight. And I've also got Jamal Lewis, who has... Um, yeah, Man City. Um, so I'm probably going to need to make a transfer, unfortunately. And that is going to probably be Chilwell to Shufal just ahead of the double game week. Basically, I've got maybe I could do Zuma or something, but it kind of feels like a good kind of future proofing point to do that. So I'm probably going to do that and then maybe take a minus four the week after to bring in Kane because I guess we're back for a couple of weeks now. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of the pod. Yep, um, we were who got this is. Thanks very much for listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And thanks so much for coming on and joining us, Mark. Pleasure as always, lads. Thanks for having me. I look forward to next Christmas. We can make it four in a row. And, and just before I go as well, Anthony, I just want to, you know, we, we all know it'll be Christmas night. You'll be having a few hot whiskeys and you'll get scents and you'll bring in Salah and you'll captain them like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually don't know who I'm going to captain otherwise. So you might see that happen. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, Mark. It's been great having you here. And uh, hopefully, yes, we will get you back next Christmas. Um, we will be back in the meantime with another pod at some stage over Christmas. Game Week 15 ends on Sunday and Game Week 16 starts on Monday the 28th. So probably no time in that little gap. But uh, we'll try and get you sorted for Game Week 17 in the meanwhile. Uh, correspondence, by the way, get that in. Who got the assist at gmail.com and we will uh, get that onto the pod at a later date. Cool. We hope we've assisted you on the FPL blanks and doubles and the festive season. And as usual, I exclaim before WGCA's theme plays us out of sight. Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. Goodbye. It's you soon. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.